Starting at chapter 1, verse 5, going through to chapter 2, verse 2. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is the word of the Lord. One of the advantages of preaching is you get free water. So, got to make use of those advantages where you can. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Daniel. Uh, as Jonathan said, I'm a member of the congregation here, and it is a great pleasure to be here and to be talking to you about about light in the darkness. Shouldn't have drunk that water. It's already a mistake. Uh, well, let's, let's pray that I. That's the only mistake that I make. Lord God, thank you for this opportunity that we have to come before you and to spend time in your Word. Would you speak to each one of us? Um, help me as I speak these words. Would you help each one of us as we listen to them? Would we hear the words that you have to say for us today? Amen. Amen. Well, second mistake, I've put my notes on there upside down. So it's going well so far. Um, this evening we're looking at light in the darkness. and We've been looking at this passage um, from 1 John. And where we're going to start is we're going to start with verse 7, um, which will hopefully appear on the screen just now, which is this one. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' his son purifies us from all sin. And we're going to spend a little bit of time digging into this word fellowship over the course of this talk. And now, if, when I say the word fellowship, there is one group of people that comes to mind to me. It may be the same group of people that comes to mind for you. Um, this, for those of you who don't recognize it, is um, the Fellowship of the Ring from Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Um, and I think Tolkien, who was a Christian himself, was very careful in his choice of words here when he described them as the fellowship of the ring. This is a group of people who are dedicated and united around the same goal, namely the goal to destroy the one ring, which is the source of all evil um, in Tolkien's world. And it's significant that they're a fellowship. They're not just, it's not just the friendship of the ring. It's not just the let's meet together for an hour on a Sunday and then ignore each other for the rest of the week of the ring. Although that would have been a very catchy title and would have fitted beautifully on the front of the book. But Tolkien decided to make it a little bit more concise and a little bit more accurate. Um, they have a very deep, committed um, fellowship with each other. They have a goal, which they're aiming to do together, and they're working together to do that. And it's a wholehearted commitment. They're not sort of half in, half out. They are fully committed to what they're doing. 
And even when physically they get separated a little bit further on, they continue to be united in the work that they're trying to do. And I think there is something of this notion in the idea of fellowship that comes up in this passage today. Um, the word fellowship in our passage um, is translated the Greek word koinonia, which I'll be saying quite a lot because it's a fun word to say. And also, it's a really great word. And it's a word that we don't really have a perfect equivalent of uh, in English. It's a very kind of multifaceted word in the Greek. And there are kind of lots of possible definitions of it. And depending on its usage, um, often different words are used even in the same translation when it comes up in different parts. Um, one definition is Christian fellowship or communion with God and or with fellow Christians. But as I say, there is something of this wholeheartedness, this sort of requirement to share everything and be fully committed to each other that comes through in this word. And as such, there are kind of lots of different words that capture different facets of this word. And we're gonna be using these um, three possible translations to divide our talk up into three sections. So we're gonna be talking about fellowship first, and we're gonna be discussing what our fellowship is with. Then we'll be talking about participation and how do we join and take part in this fellowship. And then thirdly, we'll be talking about communion and how do we walk together in this fellowship. So first, we're going to be talking about fellowship with light, with the question, what is our fellowship with? Now, the astute among you may be able to answer that question based on the title of the section. Um, for those of you who have not worked out where I'm going to be going with this, I'm going to be suggesting that our fellowship is with light. But do follow along with me and just make sure that I haven't completely made this up. So in verse 3 of our passage, just before the passage that we started today, John writes the following. He says, we proclaim to you, we, that is, the apostles, that he's writing on behalf of you, that is, the audience of his letter. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship, that's koinonia, with us. So John is inviting the audience of the letter into koinonia with him, into this fellowship with him. And what is that fellowship? What fellowship is he part of? Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So we are invited into the same fellowship as is with God. And then the very first line of our passage today, verse 5, tells us this. It says, this is the message that we, the apostles, have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. So we are in communion with the apostles who are in the communion with God, who is light. Therefore, the fellowship that we are being invited into in this passage is the fellowship of light, in some sense, or a fellowship with light. The Bible uses both to sort of bring out different aspects of this. And so this is the fellowship that we're being invited into. We're being invited into a fellowship of light. And so what does that look like? Well, right here in this, in this verse, there is an indication already. It says, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. So immediately we're given these, idea, these pictures of two different and distinct areas. There is light and there is darkness. And these are set apart very, very differently. God is wholly light. And in God, there is no darkness at all. He's all here. There's nothing here. That will make no sense to people listening to this. But visually, it was a masterclass of hand movement. But this gives an indication of the distinctiveness that comes with light. This sets out a stark choice, that there is a choice between light and darkness. This is summed up in verses 6 and 7 of our passage. Uh, if we claim to have fellowship, this koinonia with God, that is light, and yet walk in the darkness, we're lying. There's some disconnect there because we can't be in koinonia with both of these things. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Paul puts it like this in uh, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. He says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. 
For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship, and that's that word koinonia again, what fellowship can light have with darkness? The indication is that if we have this wholehearted commitment, this koinonia with light, we cannot also have it with darkness. We have to pick one or the other. And this has been the case ever since the start of creation. In Genesis 1, the very first creative act that God performs is to say, let there be light, and there was light. Immediately, the very first thing that God creates is light. And the moment that he creates it, he identifies, he says, the light was good, and he separates the light from the darkness. So right from the very start of creation, light and darkness have been separate, and light has been considered to be distinctive. So one of the characteristics of the fellowship of light is being distinctive. Another characteristic of light is that light overcomes. We see this in John 1. John 1, this is a um, passage from John's Gospel that we quite often read quite a lot at Christmas, so some of these words may well be familiar to you. In him was life, this is Jesus, and Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And then verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The point here is that light overcomes dark. If I take a small light and I put it in the middle of the room, it will illuminate a small area. If I take a big light, it will illuminate a big area. What I can't do is put a dark in the middle of the room and get rid of some of the light. That's not how physics works, I gather. Um, but light overcomes darkness. Similarly, light has a speed. Light travels, I believe, at three times 10 to the eight meters per second. But darkness doesn't have a speed. Darkness is simply where there is no, not light yet. So as soon as light arrives, darkness goes away by its very nature. And this is something that also comes up right at the very end of the Bible in the book of Revelation. This is also John writing, and this is him giving picture language for what will happen in the new creation with the new heaven and the new earth. And he talks about this city, this new Jerusalem. And he says this, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. It doesn't need these lesser lights. Why? Because the glory of God gives it light and the lamb is its lamp. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. Instead of having just ordinary light, the light of the sun or the light of the moon, we have this pure, unadulterated God light. And with this light, that drives out all night, that there is no place for darkness in the new creation. That is the power of the light that God has. Likewise, in Revelation 22, in verse 5, there will be no more night, they will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. In these verses, we see the overcoming nature of light, and it reminds us of the power of the fellowship to which we're invited. And thirdly, the very nature of light is that it reveals. This, um, we can see this in John 3, verses 20 to 21. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Again, by the very nature of having light, it reveals. This room is quite light, and we can see some things in there. If the lights were brighter, we could see even more. Um, and similarly, if the lights were off, we would see even less. The point, of the, the point in the nature of light is that as we stand on it, it reveals more about what is there. And so you can imagine that with God's perfect light, that is a completely revealing light. And so this is the fellowship that we're talking about. We're talking about a fellowship that is distinctive, a fellowship that overcomes, and a fellowship that allows us to reveal what is there. And it's with this picture of revelation um, in our mind that I want to move on to the second section where we're talking about participation with light. 
So we talked a little bit about what this fellowship is and what it consists of. The next question is, how do we enter into this fellowship? And I want to start with a couple of points that I think are worth bearing in mind. And the first stems straight from that idea of light being revealing. And the first thing is that we cannot hide things from God. We see this in Luke chapter 8 and verse 17. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. And similarly in Ephesians 5 and verse 13. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. When I have visitors uh, around to my house, I quite often like to make sure that the house is as tidy as possible. Um, for those of you who've been to my house, you may not believe that, but it's true. Um, but part of that often means that if I don't have time to tidy everything, I will focus my tidying on the parts of the house that are visible. And if there are bits of the house that are, that, that are less clean, I'll just try and close the door and hope no one goes into them. That's kind of a temptation, a natural temptation that we have to try and make the things that are visible nice and clean and presentable and the things that are hidden we kind of don't worry about them so much. But although I can hide things from people by closing doors, we can't really do that with God. God can see everything. God, by his very nature, is light and reveals everything. So we cannot hide things from God. And the next point to acknowledge is that for all of us, there are things that we do in our lives that are wrong, that aren't right, that we may want to try and hide from God, sort of naturally. This concept is called sin in the Bible. And as a culture, we have sort of a slightly odd idea about what sin means, and in particular, how it corresponds to our relationship with God. Quite a lot of people outside of the church get the idea that when we die, God will weigh up our good deeds and our bad deeds, and if we've done more good than bad, we get into heaven. If we've done more bad than good, then we don't. But that is not what the Bible teaches. That's not what the Christian journey is about. A lot of the, the, the language that is used when we talk about salvation, is legalistic language, language like purification, language like uncleanliness or righteousness. And can you imagine what would happen if you were accused of a crime? You go into a court, you stand before the judge, and your defense is to list out all of the laws you've broken and all of the laws you haven't, and then to say, look, there's more in the second list than the first list. If your defense is simply that you've broken less than 50% of all available laws, then you should be cleared. I've not tried it, but I would imagine that it's not going to go down all that well. Because that's not the nature of how it works. We've all done things that are wrong. And that may seem like enough to disqualify us from this um, relationship, this fellowship of light. It may seem that if we've all got things wrong with us, maybe that means that none of us can enter into this fellowship. But in fact, what this passage tells us, it is the exact opposite of that. Let's have a look at verse 8 of our passage which says this, if we claim to be without sin, i.e. if we claim that we've got nothing wrong with us, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And likewise, if we claim we have not sinned, i.e. we've never done anything wrong, then we're making God himself out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So it's really, really not the case that we need to be perfect in order to enter into this fellowship. Indeed, if we think we are perfect, that's an indication that we have not yet entered into this fellowship. We haven't yet understood what it means to be part of this fellowship. So what do we need to do to enter into this fellowship? Well, we can see verse nine in the middle of this passage. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And verse seven, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship and koinonia with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. 
So rather than needing to present ourselves as faultless, as blameless, as pretending that we've not done anything wrong, instead, we need to confess our sins and be welcomed in freely through that, through the blood of Jesus. And these words, purification, purify us from all unrighteousness, this is, again, really deep legal terminology, and we could spend hours kind of delving into this, and we're not going to, because, you know, we don't want to be here for hours and hours. But purification, basically, this, this concept of being purified from all unrighteousness means that we have the legal correct standing before God, i.e. God has forgiven us our sins and granted us this legal perfection in his eyes. It is as if we'd never committed any of those crimes. And I think it's important to remember, as we're thinking about this fellowship of the light, what it really means to be a member of this. And this is summed up quite nicely in chapter 2 and verses 1 to 2 at the end of our reading. John writes, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. And that is important to note. The aim of this fellowship, the goal of this fellowship, is to be without sin. But it's also important to note that that is the goal and it is not the entry requirement. We don't need to be perfect in order to enter into this fellowship. By entering into this fellowship, we start to work out what it means to become sinless and become more perfect. And it will be a journey that will take our entire life to do. And so this is the good news, that if anybody does sin, if we do fall short, if we do have something that maybe we wouldn't want to appear under that light, then we have an advocate, we have a representative with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is the fellowship of light that we're being invited into. And it is an invitation not for the perfect, but for those who know that they are not perfect. And so this brings us on to our final section, where we're thinking about communion with light. And what does it mean for us to walk together in this light and in this fellowship? Again, if we have a look at verse 7, which I think should be on the screen there. Uh, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And this is quite an interesting term, the idea of having fellowship with one another. Uh, We've had this verse up probably three times now. I wonder if, when you've been reading this verse, have you been reading it like this? But if I walk in the light, as he is in the light, I have fellowship with other people, and the blood of Jesus' Son purifies me from all sin. I think a lot of us will be looking at this as a purely individualistic passage. And a lot of this does apply to us as individuals. This is all true for us as individuals. But the passage is written to us corporately as a church. It's not written to lone wolf or desert island Christians who operate in their own little bubble, but to us as a community as a whole. I'm just going to put up for a second the whole passage. Um, And I'm not expecting you to be able to read this, but every turquoise word up there is we or our or us. These are all collective words. There is only one use of the word I in the entire passage, and that is literally John referring to himself, saying, I write this to you. Everything else in here is plural. It's written to us collectively. And I think in particular, what that means is that it means we need to consider this not just in terms of how it affects our own lives and impacts us personally in our walk with God, but how it impacts us corporately as a church here and as wider, as wider members of the church um, across the nation and across the world. And I think there are a few practical outcomes of the way that this may look. Um, but it's important that if, if you're anything like me, uh, when you're listening to talk like this, you sort of drift off a little bit and then you hear the word practical outcomes and you come back in. Um, so for those of you who've just come back in, welcome. Um, it's great to have you. But also, can I urge you to 
review the flow that we've used to get here, because the first thing that is important to remember is to recognize what is and is not required to be in this fellowship. Because the fellowship is, again, not for people who are perfect. It is for people who know that they are not perfect. And of course, with any fellowship, we need to have a wholehearted commitment to the goals of the fellowship and the beliefs of said fellowship. And we as Christians do have those core beliefs. That's what we've expressed a little bit earlier in the creed. That is what unites us as Christians. That is what we are connected together with. But beyond that, for the people in this room with whom we have the biggest disagreements, but both share in the same words of the creed, we are in fellowship with them. We are in this deep koinonia with them. And it's important to remember that not a requirement for being in this fellowship is not to be perfect, and it's not that we all need to agree. It's sometimes very easy for us to get consumed with questions about theology, which is important. It's important for us collectively to learn more about God and to understand more about who he is. But what we shouldn't do is with people who agree with us on all of the terms of the, the creed, all the, the, the things that unite us, that means that they are still our brother and sister, even if they disagree with us on some other matters. And these are things that we shouldn't let drive a, a wedge between us. And I think this is really important for the second point that I want to make, which is that it is important that we speak well of and with each other. And I think this is particularly pertinent as we're coming into a general election. The language around general elections is often very vitriolic. We can be very angry about the people with whom we disagree. The political adverts that political parties put out often demonize and villainize the people with whom they disagree. And I think it's important to remember that in the creed there is no political statements in there. 1 John 2 verse 9 says the following. It says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. I think this is important to remember because in this room there will be good, godly Christian people who voted to leave the EU in the referendum. There will be good, godly Christian people who voted to remain. And both people are your brother or your sister in Christ. They are in this fellowship and this koinonia with you. And we have a responsibility to love them and to care for them. There is space for disagreement. We are allowed to have conversations about these things, and indeed we should. We should be willing to have conversations about what is the correct way to go about these things, what is the, the best way for us to vote as Christians. There is space to have these conversations. But what we are not permitted to do, regardless of what we think of these things, is to hate the people who hold those views. And it's very easy to drift over that line from criticising the idea to criticising the person. And we do it so easily that sometimes we don't even notice that we're doing it. So can I urge you, in this general election over the next month or so, as the, um, as the campaigning goes on and as conversations happen, can I urge you to have good conversations about these things, to have wise conversations where you love the people with whom you disagree. Have these conversations by all means, but be loving and be careful about the way that we say things. Think about what you share on social media. It's very easy. The most popular posts on social media are generally the ones that villainize the other people the most. And it's very easy in social media circles to get caught in your own bubble with people who think the same things as you and then start sharing more and more kind of extreme views and opinions that start attacking people with whom we disagree. And I think it's really important for us as Christians to be not willing to do that. And I think it's a really great way that we can be light in these scenarios, that we can show that we love people with whom we disagree and that we're able to have community even with people where we may have some differences. And the third aspect and the final aspect that I want to draw out of this koinonia is that koinonia requires us to share our lives and our experiences. 
Again, we are not individualistic Christians. We do live in a very individualistic society. We live in a society that's all about my rights, my desires, my dreams, my hopes. It's all about me. Well, us as individuals, not specifically me. Um, but it's all about us as individuals. And that can easily flow over into our Christian life. We can think about just my walk with God, my prayer life. And these are important. They're, they're often two kind of opposing ends of the spectrum that we can drift into. We can either drift too far into focusing on corporate culture and not worry about our own individual prayer lives or individual journeys with God at all. Or we can go too far the other way and we can spend all our time focusing on our own personal walks with God and completely neglect the requirements to be in community and to do this collectively as well as individually. And I think generally in our culture, we tend to err more towards the individualistic side. And I think it's important for us to remember that we should be walking together in this fellowship. Fellowship isn't something that comes naturally to us. It's not something we're going to drift into just coincidentally. If we want to be in this fellowship, if we want to form this fellowship and be a part of it, it's something we're going to need to do intentionally. Quite often um, when we're thinking about sharing our faith, we talk about sort of having conversations with people outside of the church about our faith. But I think an, e an equally interesting question is when was the last time you had a conversation within the church about your faith? When was the last time you talked with someone about how your journey with God is going? Some of us will be very good at that. Some of us will have done that this evening. Others of us may not have done that for weeks or years or maybe never at all. I think that means that we miss this koinonia. We can't have this deep shared connection with each other as Christians, as the body of Christ, if we're not able to share all of the things that are going on in our lives. We're not able to share about our walk with God. And so I'd like to give you a little bit of a challenge um, as we sort of head towards the end of this talk. This talk will be ending shortly, and then a little bit after that, we'll come to the end of the service. And quite often, after the end of the service, you'll turn to the person next to you, and you'll ask them about their week. You'll ask them, you know, did they watch the rugby? Um, were they happy or were they unhappy? Like, were they not happy or were they Trevor? Um, <laughs> and you'll have this conversation. And you'll identify whether they're not happy or whether they're Trevor. But there are other really important conversations to be having. And it's not that those aren't conversations we should be having. But also, can I urge you, before you have that conversation, to have a conversation about your walk with God with them? It doesn't have to be a big, scary thing. You can tell them something that you found interesting about the service or something you found interesting about the talk or whether you slept through the whole talk. Um, Welcome, if you've just woken up from me saying that. Um, ask them, uh, to tell them something that you've learned about God recently. Tell them something that you find interesting about God. These conversations don't have to be scary. They don't have to be difficult, but they are important ones that we need to have if we want to really, truly enter into this koinonia with each other and to have this unity and this participation in light with each other. And I think we'll find that if we have these conversations, if we learn how to share our lives better, if we learn how to walk together in the light and have these good conversations, I think that we'll find that these are conversations that will, in every sense of the word, be enlightening. Would you stand with me and we'll pray. Lord God, we thank you for the kingdom of light and for the fellowship of light that you have invited us into. And we pray first for anyone here who is not part of that fellowship, particularly anyone who is here who maybe feels like they couldn't be a part of it because of the things that they've done. We pray, Lord, that you would reassure them of the love that you have for them, you'd reassure them of the welcome that you have for them, and that you would help 
anyone here who wants to make that first step today to be able to make it, to come before you, to confess what they have done wrong, to ask you into their lives. And I pray that as they do that, would you welcome them with joy. For those of us who are members of the Fellowship of Light, would you help us to learn what it means to do that better collectively? Would you help us to love each other better? Would you help us to share our lives better with each other? And would you help us to learn what it means to walk in the light? Just take a minute now, listen and see if there's anything that God has to say for you. Thank you, Dan, so much. Let's just take another moment just to be still. And in the stillness, come Holy Spirit and minister to us. Shine your light deeply within us.